Welcome to The Path to Exit, a podcast to help software and internet founders understand the process to raise capital or sell their business. Hello and welcome, everyone. I'm Mike Lyon, Founder and Managing Director at VistaPoint Advisors, and this is The Path to Exit. This show is dedicated to helping founders of software and internet businesses understand what it takes to raise capital or sell their business and how to do it well. My guest today is Jeff Bean, Managing Director and Founding Member at VistaPoint Advisors. Jeff has over 15 years of investment banking experience focused on M&A and capital raising transactions for software companies. In today's episode, we'll discuss why so many PE firms are reaching out, how to identify the best ones to build relationships with, and what information you should and should not share. Please enjoy my discussion with Jeff Bean. Founders typically hear from about 40 to 60 PE firms and strategic buyers annually who are looking to connect and compare notes. You could spend almost a quarter of your day talking to these firms, but that would not be wise. PE firms have huge business development staffs and collectively invest hundreds of millions of dollars on this direct outreach to founders. Jeff, help set the stage for why so many PE firms are reaching out directly to founders and what are they looking to accomplish? Well, I'd say the backdrop for a lot of that is just how much the private equity community and the funds that they have under management has ballooned over the last three to five years. And that's manifested itself in funds that are bigger and bigger and newer funds that have emerged that are spinouts of successful private equity firms. That's the backdrop for a lot of this outreach. Now, in terms of the intent for the outreach, there's a couple things that generally uh, investors are looking for. One is being able to get proprietary deal flow. So investing directly in a company that's not competitive. And competitive meaning it's run by a banker, there's an auction process, there's multiple parties involved. So from an investor's perspective, if you're able to invest in a transaction in a company and not have as much pricing pressure on that investment, your entry point is generally going to be better. And so trying to create some optionality around developing relationships with those founders and investing directly is probably the most important reason for why these folks are reaching out. There's some other reasons as well in terms of what they're trying to accomplish. So I'd say one is to get smart on the industry. Investors are very much thesis-driven and try to do a fair amount of landscaping in different sectors. And how better to get smart on a category than talk to founders of companies within that category. So that's definitely something that you see out there. I'd say investing in a competitor, that is a reason to canvas the market and start to reach out to the whole host of different founders of companies to try to understand the category, right? That's something that we see routinely happen around investments where that investor will talk to every quasi partner and peer and competitor of that company trying to do diligence on the category. I'd say the last kind of theme we see from investors in terms of their outreach is some of what we call the brand builders. So these are folks that are trying to reach out to companies, develop relationships. They know it'll likely be competitive in the end. Competitive meaning these founders will have multiple options to pick from in terms of who their partner is. And not the only thing that matters is price. The relationships matter a lot. And so some of these brand builders, they'll try to develop that brand, that relationship with those founders early so that when it comes down to a competitive process or gets to the point where this founder is picking more of a fit, they can try to prevail there. I think those are really good points. And I think for founders thinking about whether they want to engage or not, a couple other things to point out. Obviously, two of those reasons that PE firms will reach out are pretty neutral, right? They're trying to learn things about the industry or they're trying to build their brand. But the other two could be somewhat negative for you as a founder, right? They're trying to get a deal really cheap or they're actually getting ready to invest in a competitor. And a lot of times they try to make this outreach seem like it's very customized and flattering to you. But in reality, there's a machine behind most of these private equity firms and they're literally reaching out to thousands of companies a year. So just kind of keep that in mind, despite what the marketing says. 
We've also found that the more aggressive the PE firm is on the outreach, the more likely they are of a value firm or a firm that's not going to pay a higher valuation. If you think about it, if you're a value firm and you don't really pay top dollar, you probably lose a lot of those competitive processes because you're not winning based on price. That means you should be more aggressive on the outreach. So it's not a one-to-one correlation, but in general, the more aggressive they are on the outreach, probably the more likely they are to be a value firm. Jeff, talk a little bit about how do PE firms find these companies? Do they have a crystal ball? How do they find these companies and know who to contact? Yeah, it's a great question. So PE firms are constantly focused on how do they build their funnel and identifying companies, right? And the way they do that is through conference lists. I'm sure a lot of these different founders, they they attend multiple different conferences within their category. If you get recognized on an Inc. 500 list, those are ways where you have a sense for performance of a company and companies get identified. I'd say the vast majority of private firms pay for one or two subscription services that they use to identify companies. That's how they find you. Once they've found you as a company, there's many different metrics that they use to track you. I'd say the most obvious one is employee counts. So investors, they look at LinkedIn, they have tracking around LinkedIn. Some of the subscription paid services will also feature some of these analytics. And then also looking at website visits. That's another factor we've seen people use to try to identify successful companies. And so investors have a great sense for scale of you, even though maybe you haven't had a conversation yet. And those are some of the things that we see in terms of how they reach out to folks. Absolutely. There's just some standards around particularly employees and employee growth. And they know when you're closing in on 10 million in revenue, and that's when the inbound calls really ratchet up because that's usually where it makes sense to do a deal for a software company, given the likely valuation and the average check size that investor wants to write. So even if they haven't talked with you, they probably have a pretty good sense of where you're at. Jeff, given all the noise out there, so there's obviously a lot of firms calling. We've just established you can't talk to all of them. We do think it makes sense to talk to some of these investors. How do you think about that? And what's maybe a rubric for people to use to figure out which calls they should take and which ones they shouldn't? So I think the first part is trying to get a sense of seeing through the noise. And probably the easiest way to do that is to start to eliminate parties that it probably doesn't make sense to talk to. One frequent outreach that we see a lot of our clients have is effectively what's called a search fund. This is an individual who plans to raise capital. They might almost masquerade as if they're a private equity firm, but they're really an individual that's looking for a company to operate and to buy. So search funds are really a liquidity of last resort for founders. They pay multiples of cash flow. They would never be competitive on a transaction for any quality business. Those are folks that are just not really worth a lot of time. The value PE firms are another one. Those are PE firms that aren't going to compete in a competitive process. They're looking for very low entry points. They're not a great resource to include and to take calls with. And then I would say the other ones that are worth spending some time with are folks that have experience in your category, have done deals in your category, that aren't generalists, that understand your sector and will be value add to the business as you think about running the business over the long term. I think just circling back to those search fund and value PE firms, the search funds where they prevail is when businesses are really undermanaged and they see an angle to go and improve it. But if you're a fast-growing software company with good retention metrics, they're just not going to be competitive at all. And value PE firms are much the same way. They kind of need an angle and the situation needs to be a little bit messy for them to prevail. So keep that in mind. And then, you know, the investors who have done a lot of deals in your sector, generally investors, if they've had a lot of success in a category, they view that category as less risky and that leads to a higher valuation. That's why they're comfortable paying a higher valuation, mainly because they see the downside a little bit differently from everyone else. 
Another thing to keep in mind is a lot of times it's associates reaching out from some of these PE firms. Generally, you want to spend your time with partners. Associates are pretty junior. They don't have a lot of deal experience or company experience. They're basically trying to screen for their partners. But I think if you do engage with a PE firm, if you're not talking to a partner fairly quickly, I probably wouldn't continue that conversation because you're probably not going to get much out of it just given the limited set of experience there. Jeff, you mentioned a PE firm being value. I know in my career, I've talked to a ton of founders who waste a lot of time with PE firms who end up being really cheap or just not going to give good terms. And it's really hard for founders to suss that out. If they're getting an outreach from a private equity firm or they're on the phone, how do they figure that out pretty quickly so they don't waste a lot of time and share data with someone who's going to value their business really lowly? It's a great question. I think the way you figure that out in a short order is you just be direct about it. I think you just candidly ask those investors to share examples of situations or clients that they've invested in where the multiple that they paid was 10 to 20x ARR. And for investors that are not shy from paying market clearing multiples, they'll be excited about that, right? They'll have plenty of scenarios of existing portfolio companies where they paid that price and they're excited about it because they still have a lot of conviction in that investment. And then I think you'll find other investors where just the concept of paying a multiple of ARR is foreign to them, right? So they're more value buyers. They like the value businesses off of cash flow or just a very small multiple of revenue. And so I think just quickly asking them for examples of that will really highlight the value investors from the more premium investors. And I think that will save you a lot of time and a lot of disappointment. I think another thing you can sometimes judge these firms by, if they're asking you a lot of questions about growth and forward growth, that's generally a good sign that they pay growth multiples. If they're really focused on EBITDA, that's probably a sign that they may be a little bit more of a value investor. That's not a perfect correlation, but it's pretty close. So Jeff, now we've decided who we're going to talk to, give founders a sense for what should they be willing to share with private equity firms? And maybe more importantly, what should they not share? And what's the potential harm that comes into place if they do share their own information? So in terms of information that's pretty safe to share, I would say backward-looking financial information. That's generally okay. You're describing how the business was from a scale perspective last year or the year before that. I'd be careful about anything forward-looking for a couple of reasons. And probably most importantly, setting the number out there that you can't deliver on. So the forward-looking projections is something that you want to be really careful around in terms of how you put those together and how you communicate that. Customer-level data, so revenue by customer, for instance, I would not share. That's a data item that is critical to any SaaS business, and it's not the same case across the board in terms of how that data gets used for each business. And so what I mean by that is that's kind of the holy grail for a lot of the retention in SaaS metrics, and you want to set the framework for what makes sense for your business, how it should be retained, and how you think about those type of metrics, as opposed to just sharing the raw data with them. So I'd say that's another one. And then I think being careful around anything on the product side, particularly forward-looking product information, just knowing that a fair amount of these folks that are reaching out to you are looking at your competitors, they're doing market research, they're looking at the category. So I think just being careful around anything product-focused that could influence the business over the short term in the future. And I think a good mentality for founders to have during these conversations is almost treat yourself like a public company CFO, right? Know that they're writing down every projection you give them. They're putting it in their CRM. And when you market the deal later, and if you've missed those numbers, they're going to be really skeptical about your forward projections. So there's really not a lot of upside giving them that information. And also back to what we said earlier, there's probably a 25% chance they're looking at a competitor when they're doing the call with you. And so there may be some information you wouldn't like them to have if they're an investor in the competitor. So just keep that in mind. I think the last thing we just wanted to mention here is the last thing you want to do is give them enough information that you end up starting a process of one. 
And what I mean by that, you give them a lot of detailed information, they give you a bid, and you don't really have any leverage because you haven't been talking to other buyers. I think in general, if you've decided you want to do something, you want it to be competitive and you want to have 10 to 15 bids that you can leverage against each other and also evaluate the partner fit and making sure you're having the best possible valuation and leverage. And one other item I would just point out is the overall framing you use during the discussions with these PE firms can be important. Jeff and I worked on a deal a long time ago, really attractive business, but kind of a complicated story in terms of how we were going to frame and position it. We spent a lot of time working on that. We launched the deal and we got a lot of immediate passes. And it turned out that the founder had talked to all 80 or 90 of these PE firms and frankly didn't frame the business very well. He made it seem more like a services business because that was his background. And the high-value SaaS investors don't like services business. It was a real uphill battle to change a lot of minds because their initial impression was set. So just remember, you only get one chance to make a first impression, and you want to make sure you're being really strategic about how you do that. In this episode, we talked a little bit about why PE firms reach out, what their motivations are, how not to waste your time with some of the more value-based buyers, and why prioritization is key. And finally, be careful about what you share. Jeff, thanks for joining us. Yep, absolutely. VistaPoint Advisors is a founder-focused investment bank that advises software and internet founders through M&A and capital raise transactions. We are a fully unconflicted investment bank who only works for founders on the sell side, so you know that we're always representing your best interests. Securities offered through VistaPoint Advisors, member FINRA, CIPIC. This has been provided for informational purposes only. It is not intended to address all circumstances that might arise. Testimonials from past clients may not be representative of the experience of other clients, and there is no guarantee of future performance or success. Clients are not compensated for their comments. If you have any questions about the process of selling your business or raising capital, reach out to a member of our team, or check out the Four Founders section of our site by visiting fourfounders.guide.